When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, I'm Gary Mansfield and welcome to the Mizog Art Podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode number 37 of the Mizog Art Podcast. This week I'll be talking to one of the country's, if not even one of the world's best known graffiti artists, Mr Ben Ein. I've known Ben for a few years now. I first met him when he was doing a large artwork in my hometown of Romford with Chris Steed by his side. Ben directed me towards Dario at Jealous Gallery to help me out with my face value exhibition a couple of years ago, where he also acted as a manipulator and a donor in that show. In this episode, he talks about his pride of scary, his biggest illegal graffiti artwork, which is in Shoreditch, as well as his transgression from graffiti art to street art, then onto his studio practice. That transgression included art on walls, which was a screen printing project that both Ben and Banksy started together to put their artworks on the canvas and try and bring a bit of revenue in for their artworks. Banksy, whatever happened to him, eh? This episode was recorded in Ben's new studio. His new studio is quite near the train tracks. And when a train is passing, it does introduce itself to us every now and then. And also, as we was recording this, there was a film crew setting up in the same studio feet away from us, 
Although they was tiptoeing about, you will hear some mutterings and some moving about of equipment in the background. And directly after we recorded this podcast, Ben and the documentary crew were just finalising the lighting and recording levels. The man just don't stop. So come and join me in the studio with Mr Ben Ein. So this afternoon, I'm in the new studio of Ben Ein. Hello. How are you, mate? You are alright? Good, yes. Very good. Good to see you. Well... As I said, I've got a set of seven questions that I, each, that I ask each artist. Yeah. How would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know your work? How would I explain what I do? So, what I do? So, I kind of do two things. I paint large, colourful paintings in the street, on walls, all over the world. And they are pretty much words and messages uh, invariably in a typeface or a font that I've kind of designed or redesigned myself and then I have a studio practice where I make canvases screen prints kind of the artwork that you would expect to see in galleries and again very similar to the stuff that I paint on the street just uh, my studio works kind of how I earn my money and my street work is the fun see the world side of what I do do you make them smaller the ones that we see on the walls yeah do you ever I'm presuming they're commissions and are you able to make them smaller to put on canvases yeah yeah some of the paintings that I've painted on the street for example uh, there's a painting in uh, Shoreditch called Scary yeah, it's been yeah. there for 12, 14 years, and which is which is remarkable. Uh, the fact that it's still there, I mean, it's probably like the oldest bit of street art that's in London. Because uh, they ain't got much of a shelf life nowadays, have they? They're not running back for a, yeah. a year or so. And the councils yeah. get rid of Turn them. around. Well, even if it's not the council, someone comes along and paints over it. Yeah. So you know, there's definitely there's definitely some people out there. They've got their eyes on. Or that if it's wall. removable, they yeah, off it yeah, goes. Yeah. Well, they're taking down the last days of Shoreditch, aren't they? Brick by brick at the moment. Shit, are they really? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell! <laughs> they're turning it into a hotel. But uh, yeah, going back. So scary, huge, great big wall. I don't know how big how tall it is, but it's massive. Uh, and I have done a screen print of that. And then I also did some little canvases. Uh, yeah, I think I've done a skateboard version of it as well. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes I literally take exactly what I've painted in the street and reproduce that as an artwork, canvas, screen print. But uh, a lot of the time, it's it's an inspiration. You know, it's an inspiration. It's a testing ground. It's a playground yeah. for me to then take ideas and colour schemes and then take those ideas and reproduce or produce something in the studio that's not exactly the same, but taking inspiration from. Do they, when you do these larger scale works, yeah, is the phrase or wording yours, theirs, or is it a combination of both? It's, you put your heads together. And yeah, it's 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 different all the time, uh, and it's it's slowly changing. I'm getting more freedom to do what I want to do, you know. Yeah, it's, it's 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 totally different. Like sometimes I'll find a wall, and I'll be like, I really want to paint that, and then I'll approach the building owner, 
or I'll work out a way of painting oh, it. nice. I didn't realise it worked like that. Yeah, so I'll approach the building owner and I'll be like, yeah, mate, I want to paint your wall. This is what I do. And invariably, it's like he does not trust whether the wall gets painted or not. So yeah. he's not going to put his hand in his pocket and give me any yeah. money. Yeah. But, you know, if this is something that I want to do. So, you know, I'll pay for the paint, ladders, lift or whatever if need be. And then I have freedom to kind of do what I want to do. Yeah. You know, I obviously have to run it past him and say, this is what I'm going to write, or this is what I'm going to paint. Uh, and then I get approached by people, and they're like, oh, I love your stuff, big fan, yeah. really would like you to paint that wall, but we've got no money. So the compromise there is I get freedom to write what I want to write, yeah. and they get one of my paintings on the wall. Oh, nice. And then, you know, maybe they'll cover the cost of my paint or something. Yeah. And then I get approached by somebody, and they're like, we've got this wall that we want you to paint and this is what we want you to write so I'm like okay cool this is how much it's going to cost yeah. you and then I get approached by you know Nike for example and say we're doing this campaign we'd like you to paint we'd like you to be part of the campaign then I'll come up with some ideas they'll okay one of my ideas and I'll paint that yeah. but it's it's my idea but it's it's my ideas based around the brief that they've given me yeah so it fits in with what they're doing and their campaign, and then I'll earn more money. So it's kind of, it's, you know, it, it's a payoff. The more the more you get paid, the less freedom you have. Yeah, yeah. The less you get paid, the more freedom you have. Well, that's why they're paying the premium, isn't it? So they've yeah, got some, exactly. little, some little hold around it. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, you know, it's just, you know, you know, the jobs that I do where I get paid, they pay for the jobs that where I'm not getting paid. Yeah. Well, you can hear the trains in the background. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like a studio yeah. where I can see the train. We would I be correct in presuming that that is where some of your tagging would have started, as yeah. a lot of lads do. Yeah, my my career as an artist started with me nicking cans of spray paint from the car shop <laughs> and running around tagging things, and yeah, that's that slowly grew into kind of me becoming a graffiti writer. And part of becoming, part of being a graffiti writer, well, for me, a large part of being a graffiti writer was painting graffiti on the side. Was it always text? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like predominantly, graffiti is text. You know, graffiti is exploring the letter form and making your name or your words, you know, as fresh or as dope or yeah, whatever yeah. as you can. So you're trying to, you know, you're trying to outdo or burn, like the other people that are yeah, doing it yeah. by just perfecting this letter form or your style you know there's obviously a lot of other elements that are part of graffiti you know New York skylines and b-boy characters and all that rubbish but I was never into that it was always for me it was just all about the word and the letter and when was your first interest in art? I don't know I kind of I always had a vague interest in art as a kid and I was a cheeky little shit and mm. I was I was fast <laughs> so when that helps, yeah so I was I don't know how old I was but uh, two New York photographers called Martha Cooper and Henry Chalfont they made a book called Subway Art mm -hmm. and I found this book and it was just basically photographs of new, the New York graffiti scene it's a I'd, seminal book for yeah for and, I'd, yeah, and I'd, you know pretty much I'd never seen anything like it and I couldn't believe that there were people in New York painting this stuff on the side of trains. 
and you look at these photographs of whole carriages yeah. painted and you can see the outlines, you know, the form of the windows, yeah, but yeah. everything's covered and you've got the wheels on the bottom of the train. That's the only way to show that it's a train. <laughs> it's like, I've got to do this. Yeah. And that book became a Bible. And after that, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, just totally changed yeah. my life. For when the better did, or the worse. When did, you, <laughs> when did you start making the change from the graffiti outside to putting it on a canvas and trying to earn money out of it? Well, uh, I don't know. In the back of my mind, as, as somebody that was doing graffiti, the back of my mind, there was always kind of oh, maybe there's a there's an opportunity to make money out of this or there's an opportunity to be an artist. You know, graffiti writers from previous generations, uh, you know, people like, you know, Blade and Lee and Scene and then some of the later people like Cause and Reese and Espo, I've been following them and they were working with brands there was a famous collaboration where you know I think it was like Barry McGee Twist Cause Espo Reese they all collaborated with Calvin Klein and they they redesigned the the bottles of CK1 perfume so I saw that there was a way where graffiti artists or graffiti writers could yeah there was opportunities out there so but it just it just seemed so distant yeah. from kind of what I was doing and so it was it was an incredibly slow process. Uh, part of the process was when I when I first discovered graffiti, it was like literally blew my mind, changed my life. It was the most exciting, dynamic art form, going to change the world. And then after doing it for fifteen years, it was like it kind of it didn't fulfil its promises yeah, to me. It was yeah. like it just it felt stagnant it didn't feel like it was moving and I was just becoming bored of it and plus I'd been arrested loads of times and mm. done fucking fines upon fines and fat hundreds so of hours of community to pay for your yeah, fines and hundreds of hours of community <laughs> service and it was like I was cleaning trains yeah I was like I, literally I was giving the judge no option but to send me to prison yeah. the next time I got caught doing graffiti and I really didn't want to go to prison for like tagging stuff or painting a train. So I was kind of being forced to stop because of the law. I was getting bored of it because it wasn't kind of delivering. But there's a point where you've got to evolve anyway, isn't there? Yeah. Any young and, lad. and this was, I don't know, 15 or longer years ago. And this was when street art was beginning to happen. Yeah. You know, there were, there were people around the world that were doing illegal stuff in the streets that wasn't graffiti and was just more interesting than what graffiti was and I was like hmm you know I I saw it as an opportunity whereby I could still paint stuff illegally which was the buzz that I wanted and do it in the daytime make it big bright colourful people like it and I wouldn't get arrested so that's kind of why I Do got into... Do you still into, get that buzz now, doing the big murals, if you like to call them? Yeah, I, I like getting away with something you're not supposed to do. Yeah. 
So I mean, even the even the straight ones. The, yeah, the, yeah, no, yeah, it's good. Right? Yeah, no, it's good. It's you know, I like. It's, you know, I've I've got older, and it's like you know, it's not so much the the adrenaline, the buzz of getting away with it. It's now like I'm proud of the work that I've yeah. produced. You know, to have a huge, great big painting in the street where there wasn't anything there before. And just seeing people taking photographs of it and yeah. appearing on, you know, on the internet, it's like, yeah, I did that. You know, it's something to be proud of. So, uh, so yeah, it's, yeah. So, but, yeah. So, border graffiti, street art was beginning to happen. I Would met that have been with the pictures on walls. That was this was before pictures on walls. Yeah, this was before pictures on walls. So, and then I met up with Banksy, and me and him started doing some stuff together. And we met up, we met Fowl from New York and Bast and some other people. And so we just started, we started getting into doing street art rather than graffiti. Yeah. You know, none of this was legal. We were all doing it in the dead of night or, you know, and it was posters, stickers, stencils. And then there was a website called the Wooster Collective that was yeah. uh, out of New York. And that was really instrumental in kind of helping street art at the beginning and just connecting people that were you know that were doing street art and just yeah and just seeing other stuff that was out there and you know opening your eyes to it and it was like this is way more interesting than graffiti yeah, yeah. and then there became a really small market you know people wanted to buy what we were painting and they doing started seeing the value in it yeah pe- people wanted to buy a, a part of what they what they would see in the street and you know galleries weren't interested in what we were doing and there certainly wasn't any galleries that would kind of like set up for street art so you know we did it ourselves and we set up Pitching and Walls which was a basically a printing house and we would pretty much reproduce what we painted in the street nice. screen printing it on a piece of paper built a little website had an office and sold them for 50 quid nice. how long did that last for? I, th- I think I'd, uh, I'd, at the time I didn't have a job and I'd never done screen printing before and the first the first few prints that we produced were done by a guy called Jerv up in Birmingham he had a company called Mission Print yeah. and I don't know how but somebody knew him so he did the first few prints for us and then we just wanted to experiment with printing and we wanted to work with the artists and we wanted to get the artists over from New York or from Portugal yeah. and we wanted to have the artist next to us whilst we were printing so we could print something and then they could do something to it yeah, and then yeah. we could print something and just make it a little bit more fun so we decided that we were going to set up our own screen print workshop and I, I didn't have a job at the time and I was like yeah I'll do the screen printing <laughs> nice ideal wasn't it yeah ideal. so Jerv came down from Birmingham with a big flatbed and a drying rack and a few inks and a big stack of paper he gave me like a two-hour lesson, and that was it. Off we went. Popped your ankle. Yeah, five years later, I've printed fucking Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And saying that, who, who would have thought a few years later, I know you've rinsed the bollocks out of this, but David Cameron giving one of your artworks. Yeah. Sir, but was that arranged or... Uh... They had arranged to do an art exchange. It was the first time that they were officially meeting, probably the first time they'd ever met. So Obama was just the new president of America. Cameron was the prime minister. You know, the two countries were on good terms at the time. And, yeah, their first official meeting, and they'd agreed to do an art exchange. And for fucking some reason that's beyond... (laughs) He got advised. Yeah. They decided that I was the artist. Uh, well, you know, it's a few things. You know, they kind of, you know, he was a new, younger president. You know, he had his finger on the pulse a little yeah. bit more. He'd used Shepard Caffery for his uh, for his hope campaign. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so they thought, mm, you know, you know, is into street art, and I'd done a project with a woman called Anya Heinmark, and she does handbags but she's mates with Samantha Cameron and then a couple of weeks before I got the phone call from Downing Street the Observer did a double, a double page spread yeah, on yeah. a load of shutters that I'd painted in Petticoat Lane yeah. Middlesex Street so there was the Observer there was the Observer article yeah it really did there was the Observer article there was the uh, uh, the fact that they could actually get hold of me through Anya Heimark. You weren't in jail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I wasn't in jail. And yeah, I wasn't I wasn't Banksy. Yeah. So, so yeah, so they phoned me up and said we're gonna give a we're gonna give a painting to uh, or an artwork to uh, Obama. Would you be interested? And I was like, Yeah. And I'm like, what have you got? And I sent them over some pictures of what I had available and they chose That's a painting. Ideal, though, the one yeah, twenty yeah. first century city it said. So uh yeah, they said, how much do you want for it? And I was like, nothing, have it, take yeah. it. Well, what are you going to do? What, yeah. You ain't going to miss that, are you? Yeah, I was like, what am I going to do? The yeah, I've, I've, yeah, pain that that gives you is, is quite a thing as well, isn't it? The amount of coverage and the amount that that single thing helped my career was just, you, know, you couldn't put a financial no. figure on it. No. And I didn't know who else they were talking to and you know what other artists they were considering. So I didn't want to go in and say, yeah... Uh, give me five grand and it's yours and they're like yeah we ain't got five grand yeah. and just go to someone else so I was just like yeah have it and I think I think six months earlier it had been in a show in New York and it didn't sell for like two thousand dollars yeah luckily for next me next yeah. in the White House no, hanging in the White House for eight years <clears throat> and by all accounts it was in his one of his daughter's bedrooms and uh, when they left the White House she took the painting with her and it's still in her bedroom Super. wherever she lives so. do you know what they exchanged I don't know what they got I don't know, yeah I don't know what Cameron got well it ain't it's never been fucking covered <laughs> is it so. yeah no one cared <laughs> um, one of my fourth well my fourth question is 
Which piece that you've created do you hold most dear? I would say scary. Yeah. Just because I painted it without permission. We did it over a course of three days. We got away with it. Yeah. It was like the biggest illegal painting in London at the time. <laughs> and uh, it's still there. So, yeah, that is the one that I'm kind of... You know, it's not my best painting. But, yeah, but just it's not... It's the fact it's, that it's still yeah. there. You know, and also it's like, you know, a lot of... Everything that I paint in my studio gets sold, so it disappears, and I pretty much never see it again. Yeah. And 99.999% of everything I've ever painted in the street or on the side of a train or wherever has been painted over. Yeah. So, you know, the actual percentage of stuff that I've produced that I still see or own is, like, minuscule. So, yeah, scary. Is it, is, it is... I do wonder, when I see works like that that have been there for so long, who gives it the permission to stay yeah I think I think out of respect that scary wouldn't get painted over if somebody did paint over it they'd have to paint the whole wall and I'd be back the next day <laughs> so I think people kind of know that and then you know there's a few walls around London or around East London especially that I paint every couple of years yeah. and you know I, they're kind of considered to be my walls yeah so I mean, yeah, the old people. London that you see, yeah, that, yeah. that always puts a smile on your face when I walk Yeah, old London and then, you know, Ebor Street and then there's another one on the other side of Old Street Roundabout. Uh, and they're just, yeah, they're kind of my walls. Yeah. So. Well, I walk, when I went past Jealous a while ago, a, a long while ago, and see the uh, Home Sweet Homeless. Yeah. That was, <laughs> uh, that, that made me smile. Because I was yeah. working with a homeless at the time. Yeah, and, uh, I think that was with Shelter. Shelter, yeah. yeah, Shelter's one of the charities that I do lots a, of work that's with. That's always one. When I see it pop up online, it yeah. sort of gives me a little yeah. warm yeah, feeling, a good one. you know. And saying of um, Jealous, you've got a long-running long relationship with Dario and Yeah, I've and worked Jealous. with Yeah, I've worked with Jealous for quite a few years now, and they're just just really fucking easy and friendly to work with. You ain't got to do anything, have you? You know, you come up it's with the idea, they yeah. run with it. Yeah, and it's great, and they they are literally a pleasure to work with, yeah. and yeah, I can't recommend them highly enough. As I say, we using face value too. Yeah, uh, you was kind enough to do two pieces. One you donated, which got given to Brand Simonson, which he yeah. um, fired a he shot, uh, shot it up <laughs> with a machine gun, yeah. didn't he? Put text on it. I don't know if you know because there was a good photograph of you and Katie Piper that yeah. night, weren't there? Yeah. That done that done the rounds. She ended up buying that piece. I didn't know Brilliant. if he was aware of it. No, that. I didn't. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. Um, and also, you've done a really surprising one because all your artwork is very bold, it's colourful, and it's it's there to be noticed. Yeah. But the one you've done with Jessica Albarn, yeah. I gave you a, what would, it, would it have been? I can't remember the exercise. It was the A1. Yeah, it was, it was, it was yeah, a metre by 70. A really delicate, yeah, a butterfly. I can't remember if it was a butterfly or a bee. And... Yeah, I did something completely different. I wanted to complement what she did, and I didn't want to kind of like, you know, if I did what I would normally do, I would have just blasted out a big word in bold yeah. colours over the top, and you'd have completely lost what she was doing. Hmm. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted it to be 
two pieces of work coming together to make one, and, and yeah and complementing each other I so mean, I ain't blowing smoke up your ass when I say it yeah. but when I went to pick it up and you went this is what I've done and it's something that I wouldn't normally do and you turned it around I was like fucking hell that is so respectful for yeah, what was already yeah. there and I've, you know, I've known Jess for fucking ages as well so yeah. you know again because because I've known her for so long and yeah and you're also using quite a heavy medium yeah. And she was using pencil, so it's a yeah. very heavy medium that really balanced well against that. Yeah, really yeah, no, it was good. I, yeah, I really like that. I really like that place. It was good. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it was great to do something completely different. Yeah. Talking, doing stuff completely different. Create. Yeah, the big, the big car park. That one, bad size thing, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> so mad. Yeah, mate of mine works for uh, NASA, and. Uh, when we when we were doing the painting, I bailed her up and I was like, "Yeah, you don't know anyone with a satellite, do you?" And she was like, "Yeah, funny enough, I do." And they got the International Space Station to photograph it. So yeah, there's photographs of it. And is the that Obama thanking you for the painting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, someone took a photograph of it from space. I I always imagine an astronaut kind of like leaning out the window with an iPhone yeah. going. <laughs> Because it seemed that you was like mixing. It said that you was mixing the paint up with in bathtubs. Yeah, we. It was just fucking such a big project. It was. I think it was like one thousand. Yeah, one thousand. No, seventeen thousand five hundred square meters. And it's, I know it was like nearly three thousand liters of paint as well. Yeah, it was just. We had like bins bigger than that filled <laughs> with paint. Just huge great big rollers. Um. Where do you go to relax? Or what do you do to relax? I kind of work. Yeah, I kind of work in the studio. I don't really have holidays. I get bored on holiday. But then, you know, through work I get to go everywhere in the world. And I really love what I do, so... They are a lot of work. Yeah. Like busman's holiday, isn't it? Yeah, no, it really is. And it's like, you know, I spend a couple of months working in the studio and then line up a few trips away and then travel for a bit and then get bored of hotels yeah. and horrible food or weird food. Oh, power's just gone, lovely. And then, uh, yeah, and then back in the studio and working. So, yeah, I have a really, really fantastic mix of like studio, traveling and, yeah, yeah the idea of lying on a beach for two weeks. <laughs> so then when I, when I first met you in Romford, um, when you was doing the shimmering, what was it, the... I can't remember what it said, but... It yeah. was shimmering and dirty, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and then um, I did another one, which was something... Brave. Like brave. Yeah, oh cool, yeah, brave. Right? Brave, yeah, I um, liked brave. Yeah, you said, then I'll give a spell next week. So I'll find you next week. You went, oh no, I'm in Iceland or wherever <laughs> yeah. it was. He said, give a spell next week. So I'll find you the next week. And you said, oh, I'm in Denmark or wherever yeah. the fuck it was. Well, yeah. No, Argentina. Yeah, Argentina. Yeah, Argentina. <laughs> I forget the places that I go. There's a little question here. If there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your perfect group show be? Ooh. Oh, oh, gosh. It's interesting. Uh, Salvador Dali would be cool. It's got to be a lot of dead people, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a bunch of dead people. Because you're never going to get an opportunity to show with them. Andy Warhol, Salvador Dali, Keith Haring. Uh, yeah, God knows. Uh, 
old, that old Da Vinci character. We throw him in there. Whatever come of him, turned out rubbish. Yeah, <laughs> nothing going with that one. Yeah, be a bunch of dead people. Perfect. Um, just jumping on your your little change of direction. Your clothing label, I'm London. Yep. How did that come about? <laughs> just, you know, everybody does it, don't they, at some point? Yeah. And had an opportunity, or what I thought was a good opportunity, to do something, and did it, and... Oh, it wasn't? It wasn't. Oh, I didn't it know, sorry. It, no, it's fine, that's fine. It wasn't great. Uh, just incredibly badly mismanaged, and now we've got lawyers talking to lawyers... However, it will be making a comeback. Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll no, that's all right. No, it's just, it was just badly mismanaged. Drop me a cake. Take no, no, it's totally fine. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's totally fine. Sorry. So, no, it's going to make a comeback. And when it does, we're going to do it ourselves and manage it properly. There was like... I didn't even know it had gone. <laughs> it's sorry. still kind of there. And we've got a contract that we're trying to renegotiate at the moment. But, like, the production was great. The designs were great. It was just the infrastructure behind taking the money and shipping out the it's stuff. It's a whole that, new fucking realm. Yeah, it? and it was, just, it was just, they just did it all so badly wrong that, uh, yeah, we're trying to take it over and run it ourselves. So you, I, was, I was about to say, do you think a lot of that could have been where you just handed over all responsibility and control? Well, to that's it. It's, it's like, you know, it's something that everybody does at some point and, you know, you're, you're waiting for the right people to come along and off give you the opportunity to do it yeah. because you know setting up a clothing line on your own is a hard thing to do yeah. so you know you work with people that have got the experience that have done it and you hope that it's going to work out fine yeah. and you know and sometimes it doesn't but you know we now have the people in place where we can run it ourselves Good. you know it'll be my artwork you know there'll be designers there'll be factories producing it and There'll be a warehouse, people employed, and everything gets shipped out. Yeah, because I know Riker's just started a kiddie line, hasn't he? Oh, has he? No, yeah, he's right yeah. yeah, brilliant. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it, you know, you know, people like our stuff, and you know, stick it on a t-shirt. Well, not it's, yeah. it's mobile fucking advertising. No, exactly. Isn't it? Yeah. If you weren't an artist, what would you like to be? <laughs> what would I like to be? It's <laughs> different to what, what would I have to be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <coughs> I don't know. There's, I, there's not much I can do apart from this. Yeah, that's what so many people said. When it's been such a big part of everyone's life. Yeah, yeah. I can't do anything else. Basically, I'd have to be an artist. I, I haven't got a driving license. I can't be an Uber driver. <laughs> <laughs> Too short a temper to make people coffee. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that's only seven questions asked. Brilliant. Perfect, Thank you very much, mate. Right. Thank let me you find out what's going on with this power. How was that, Mr. Ben Ein? And as I said in the intro, while I was packing up the kit used for this podcast, Ben walked about 10 feet away into his next interview that was a documentary about UK graffiti. At the end there, I forgot to ask Ben for his social media handle. So if you don't know already, it's at Einsigns. E-I-N-E-S-I-G-N-S. We also mentioned in there his clothing brand, which is Ein London. E-I-N-E, London, L-O-N-D-O-N. As Ben said there, that clothing brand will be reappearing very soon. I also mentioned Riker and the clothing brand that is just bought out for toddlers. 
That's called Rybag, R-Y-B-A-G. And to find the Rybag label on social media, the handle is at sign Rybag, R-Y-B-A-G underscore adventures. Ben did mention the Art Car Boot Fair in this podcast. And as this podcast comes out, the Art Car Boot Fair will be at Cubit Square in King's Cross on Sunday, June the 23rd. And Ben is there on this occasion with his own stall for the first time. The Art Car Boot Fair is definitely one of my favourite art events of the year. I even had the pleasure of having a stall there myself to promote the podcast at last year's Christmas wrap party in Vauxhall in December. I absolutely loved it and hopefully I'll have a possibility of doing it again soon. You can hear Karen Ashton talking about the Art Car Boot Fair in episode 16. She not only tells of how the Art Car Boot Fair started, but she also tells us her visions of how it would be going forward. There's a few artists that have appeared on the Mizog Art Podcast that will be there this week on their own stalls. That is Matt Collishaw from episode 18, Patrick Hughes from episode 2, Carrie Reichart from episode 4 and Dario of Jealous on episode 16. And as far as stallholders go that have agreed to appear on the podcast, there's um, Jessica Vorsanger, Marcus Harvey, Charming Baker, um, Bob and Roberta Smith, um, <laughs> Christian Fur. Just as we'd wrapped up this podcast, Christian came in to see Ben and never one to look a gift horse in the mouth. I asked Christian while he was there and he agreed. There's also Jess Albarn, Kira Rathbone, the typewriter artist, Phil and Charlotte Colbert. Um, <laughs> once again, I cannot forget Miss Kate Knight because, again, she will punch me on the ooter if I don't mention her. And I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure that Adrian from Flying Leaps is there this year. I mean, that's all I can remember off the top of my head. So if I've forgotten anyone, I do apologise. Oh, I'm pure evil, no doubt. So if you happen to be down there and you bump into any of them artists that I've just mentioned, they're all friendly people, so pop over, say hello, tell them that you've listened to their podcast or that you're looking forward to their episode coming. And more importantly, although none of them mind stopping for a little chat, they're all there to sell their artworks for a reduced price for one day only. So if you're able, put your hand in your pocket and grab yourself a bargain. So good luck to Ben Karen Ashton and every other artist who happens to be at the Art Car Boot Fair this year and if you happen to see me walking along with Mr Lee Ainsworth pop over, tap me on the shoulder and say hello. So as I say every week at whatever platform you listen to this podcast there is the ability to like, subscribe and leave a comment. Doing one or all of those really does help us as a podcast and anybody else looking for an art podcast. So please just take a few seconds to do so. If you want to see any up-to-date goings-on of the Mizog Art Podcast, go over onto any of the social medias, which is Mizog Art, M-I-Z-O-G-A-R-T. And for a full list of confirmed artists, go over to our website, which is MizogArt.com, M-I-Z-O-G-A-R-T.com. So that's all from me, and until next week, ta-da! Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.